thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to The Abnormal Psychologist, the show that shares everyday insights into getting the best out of your mind, body, and lifestyle. Now, please welcome your host, The Abnormal Psychologist herself, Carrie Thompson-Casey. Hello, and how are you going? Welcome to another episode of The Abnormal Psychologist with me, your host, Carrie Thompson-Casey, the show where we are giving you the how-to to to get the best out of you. And today we are talking to the awesome Jules, who is a naturopath based in the beautiful Byron Bay. And as we speak, we're speaking, we're in the lush surrounds of the Byron at Byron, and I can even hear the waves crashing in the distance over at Tallow's Beach, I think it is. Just beautiful rainforest setting, beautiful place to be doing an interview with an awesome lady. So welcome, Jules. Thank you for having me and welcome to Byron. Thank you. So tell us a bit about yourself and how you got into being a naturopath. Wow. Okay. So it's a bit of a long story. I'm not sure where to start, but I'm a child of the 80s. So I uh, grew up in the early 1980s in a regular Australian household and it was all, you know, white bread and wheat bix and milk and all of those wonderful things that we remember from our childhood. And then my dad had a bit of a cholesterol scare in the sort of early to mid 80s, which a lot of dads had at around that time. And so then we uh, transformed into a white bread and skim milk kind of family. <laughs> and just powered on. So uh, I really grew up with a very normal kind of upbringing in a normal diet in a normal Australian suburb of Melbourne. And then what started to happen is a lot of my family members started to become very ill. And what happened over time, what transpired is that my mum and my brother were both diagnosed with celiac disease. So I got to have a really wonderful, handy insight into what it was like to have to go gluten-free in an era when no one knew what gluten-free was, no one knew what celiac disease was, and everyone thought we were a little bit weird for making our own bread. (laughs) So fast forward a little bit, and my mum and my brother are on this gluten-free diet, but I was coming up negative for celiac disease. And I was waving that white bread in my brother's face at every opportunity because being the younger sister, I needed any anything I could do to get back at him. And so I was waving it in his face like, nah, 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 I get to eat this white bread and you get to eat that dodgy stuff that falls apart that's been made, you know, in out of a packet. And uh, meanwhile, I started having a lot of health problems of my own, but they weren't serious ones like my brother and my mum had had that had prompted them to get further investigation, which ended up with their diagnosis. Mine were just like these little insidious things that kids have. So we're talking about things like constant snotty nose and constant runny nose and recurrent tonsillitis, uh, recurrent colds. Every single cold turned into a chest infection. Like I can't even tell you how many chest x-rays I had as a child and it it kind of scares me now. And so I, I just became one of those kids that really failed to thrive. So I was kind of pale and weak. I was tall, so I wasn't one of those kids that didn't grow. I was tall, but I was kind of pale and weak. I came second last in every running race at school, um, picked second last for every, you know, for every sporting team. Um, but no one really picked anything, you know, in particular. Like I'd go to the doctor and they'd just stuff me full of some antibiotics and send me home again. And so this is how we continued on for a very long time. And 
at that time it was like colds and flus and ear infections and tonsillitis and stuff. Um, but then if you fast forward, you know, onto the 90s, it became other health conditions and more insidious, you know, and more nasty. And it, it just continued to be like this snowball effect. Um, so when I was sort of in my early 20s, um, through to my mid-twenties, I started to really go down the path of like anxiety and depression, but still no one put two and two together. Um, and because I'd had a rather traumatic childhood as well, and I'd left home at 16, we just kind of put it down to that. Um, and so we just kind of pushed through and I had all these, you know, I had all these little health conditions, you know, still continuing to come up, but no one linked at all. And then in my mid-twenties, I decided enough was enough. And I went on a massive change, a massive turnaround. And I did a liver cleansing diet and an anti-candida diet kind of all rolled into one. And I I was really, really, really strict, really strict. And by this stage, I'd had access to naturopaths because I'd um, had a few in my close circle of friends who were studying naturopathy and they'd been trying out their brand new naturopathic, shiny naturopathic skills on me and had told me not to eat this and not to eat that and try eating this instead. So I started to have access to all this this new world of food, you know, like um, non-dairy yogurts and non-gluten breads and whole foods and, you know, what everyone was classing as hippie foods back then. And so I decided I was going to be a bit of a hippie. So <laughs> I thought if I'm going to eat all this stuff, I might as well just, you know, grow, grow some armpit hair and get on with it. So I did because <laughs> I don't like to do things by halves. And so I, I did this anti-candida diet and this liver cleanse. And what I found is it, it wasn't necessarily – the, the symptoms and the signs that I thought were going to clear up that cleared up. So, you know, there was, there was a candida problem and there were some digestive problems at that time and they definitely cleared up. But the anxiety got better. The depression got better. Cellulite disappeared. Like really surprising things happened. Like that headache that I used to get at three o'clock every day disappeared. Like all these really surprising things happened. And I thought, geez, I'm onto something here. So I was – you know, by this stage, I was now studying to become a naturopath myself because I've always wanted to help people. And I was very, very, very interested in health. And I think I was very lucky that I was exposed to, you know, celiac disease in the family and exposed to a gluten-free diet very early on because it kind of normalized it for me. Uh, And what I wanted to start doing was normalizing things for everyone else out there who thought it was a bit weird to be gluten-free or dairy-free or whatever. Uh, I decided that I wanted to make it my mission to, you know, show people that you can just like get on with it and have a really normal life. But what's going to happen is that your health's going to get better. So yeah, that's, that's, that there's a payoff that (laughs) there'll actually be a payoff for all that hard work and strictness is, is what I think you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. You you know, the, the payoff is that you start to feel so good that you don't care about having to be a little bit different to everyone else when you're ordering at a restaurant. Um, and when you have to go to the supermarket, you go to a different section or, you know, the health food shop. And so I, you know, I've, I've been a naturopath for a while now. Uh, when I first started out as a qualified naturopath, cause, so I finished uni in 2005 uh, and I was thrust out into the world of naturopathy where you go and, you know, build up your own clientele. Uh, and I saw, I saw lots of clients and uh, I also was working uh, 
for a while for some vitamin companies and I started to get very busy. And because I didn't have kids, I just threw myself into it and I was working six days a week and I was a naturopath in a drug rehab centre one day a week and then, you know, a couple of other nights a week I used to see patients and then I was also working in a dispensary at a health food shop and then I moved on to vitamin companies which were um, very, very busy roles, um, one in particular that involved a lot of travel. And so I started to really burn the candle at both ends and what started to happen over that time is I became that naughty naturopath who uh, ends up having lots and lots of pills and potions that they love to take that are going to fix everything, but actually their diet kind of sucks. So I was living on, especially when I was traveling a lot for work, I was living on takeaway. Um, I was living in an area of Melbourne where we had access to a street full of food, like one block over. Uh, so I lived behind like this strip of shops that just had every cuisine and every takeaway and everything imaginable, like three different sushi shops and two tire places and a burger place. And, you know, consequently, we just never ate at home. But I thought I was being really, really healthy because I had all these pills and potions on my kitchen counter. <laughs> and so... So I had like magnesium and B vitamins and fish oil and glucosamine and all these different things. I had a pill for everything and I thought I was being really, really healthy. And then actually what happened is I started to burn out. And when when you burn out, your adrenals start to really suffer. And then when your adrenals start to suffer, sometimes all those anxiety and depression type symptoms come back. So in the end, we, you know, my husband and I had both been very busy and we both decided we needed a change and we were both very burned out and we decided to move to Byron Bay for like a complete 180 sea change. And when we arrived up here, I had all this extra time on my hands because I didn't have my very busy job anymore. And we got up here and we had access to farmer's markets and we had access to farms even. Like I could take you for a drive five minutes from here and we could buy food from the front of the farm, you know, where they have little honesty boxes. You put your coins in the honesty box and, you know, you take your bunch of kale and you take your little bunch of lettuce and you take your little bag of carrots and then you drive to the next farm and they've got lemons and then you drive to the farm after that and they've got potatoes and coffee and you go, oh my God, this is the life for me. And so I started to cook with real food again. And what I noticed is over time, my, you know, my diet improved. And as my diet improved, that big stash of pills and potions that was on my kitchen counter started to diminish because I didn't need it anymore. And then the anxiety goes away and then the depression goes away. And I'm thinking, hang on, you know, you can be a naturopath that just prescribes loads of pills and loads of herbs and loads of supplements to people, or you can be a naturopath who prescribes food. And what I've decided to do up here is to become more of a naturopath who prescribes food. Nice. Yeah. And that's how I ended up here. Wow. That's an amazing story. You need to take a breath. That was a long story. Um, but I think the first thing that I'm really curious about is that the courage it must have taken at various steps along that pathway. You know, you had to take the, you know, have the courage to eat differently and, and be that hippie child and, or hippie young woman. Um, but then the courage again to go, okay, enough's enough. I need to make a change and or we need to make a change and leave Melbourne. So did it feel like a courageous step or, or did you feel like you were being drawn to something new? Because from what I know about you, you've actually started to do some amazing work with women. So tell us firstly about the courage and then I'll remind you to talk about women. 
<laughs> yeah, you'll have to remind me <laughs> the many tangents. Um, it's funny because someone else recently mentioned courage as well, and I'd never really looked at it like that. I just kind of looked at it as like I was getting on with things. And for me, the danger of not doing what I love, the consequences of that would be greater than holding back. Um, so, so than not holding back. So. Sometimes when I'm faced with a crossroad, it's it's easier for me to just go down the path of what I really, really love doing and really, really want to do because I think for me that is the the, the easiest path in in a lot of ways because at least I know that I've given it everything. And I have, you know, I have lived quite a colourful and diverse life. You know, through my, my late teens and early 20s, I was completely off the rails. Um, and so, you know, following what feels good and what I want to do and what can also help other people is just really important to me now. And I don't look at it as courageous. I just look at it as being kind of authentic. Yeah, no, that's really important, I think, um, to nurture that authentic part of yourself because it is easy to to be whisked away on, um, as you said, what seems easy. And I think that's the struggle that getting back to women, a struggle that many women and men have is is finding um, that courage, but also that momentum to start looking after themselves and understanding um, that it might be easier to get the takeaway because it's an amazing sounding street around the corner yeah. <laughs> that I think I'd like to visit. Uh, <laughs> but living there might be um, tricky. But but so tell us about your work now with women and helping them to to be their authentic selves and to nurture their bodies. What are you, what are you doing? Yeah, it's funny because a, a friend of mine called Bronnie Ware has a book called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. And one of the five regrets that she talks about in her book is, you know, I wish I'd lived a life that was true to me and not living and, and have not lived a life that others just expected of me. Um, so I've probably got that a little bit wrong. Sorry, Bronnie. Um, but that the, the main gist is that, that as women, we often live for everyone else and, and everyone else's expectations become our priority and, and our kind of boundaries. Um, and I find that a lot of women, when they're faced with, you know, illnesses or they're faced with, you know, um, uh, like health, uh, conditions or health problems. Yeah. They, what happens is they, they, put everyone else first before themselves. And what happens these days, if we don't fit our own oxygen mask before we fit the masks of others, then we burn out and we really suffer. And in the short term, we do get to look after everybody else around us and make it look all, you know, smoothed over and make it look all fine. And it's like, yeah, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Just fine. But it's not fine. And eventually what happens if you haven't fitted your oxygen mask first is that everybody else is fine, but you start to suffer. And I've seen so much adrenal fatigue in so many women uh, in the last, you know, couple of years as a practitioner. I don't know whether it's because, you know, having made that that sea change myself and moving to a life that is a little bit more laid back where I do have more me time and I do have more space because also we moved from a place where I'd grown up for, 20, you know, 30-something years to an area where we knew four people and two of those were my uh, parents-in-law. So we had no social life when we got here. We didn't know anyone. So we had a lot of space and a lot of time um, around us, which was incredibly good for my relationship with my husband. Um, but it was also really good for just sort of reconnecting with myself and working out what my needs are. And now when I've got more friends up here and, you know, more demands on my time, it's it, it's also good to know you know, to have had that recent feeling of I know what it feels like to have me time 
And now when people make a lot of demands on my time, I also know where to draw the line. Um, and what I want to do, you know, w- with women, working with women is, is teach them how to make time for themselves and how to organize their lives around so that they can fit in some of the demands of others. Cause I'm not telling you to ignore people and, and their needs, but we, we need to sort ourselves out first. Even if that's just saying, Hey, I'm doing that 15 minutes of yoga today. I'm shutting that door and I'm doing it and I'm going to do that every day. Um, because I think when we're, we're not nurturing ourselves and we're not looking after ourselves and, all I see as a result of this is burnout after burnout after burnout case on my doorstep and it's it's not good. It's not good for anyone. So I'm probably putting you on the spot here a little bit, but without, I know as a health professional, I know that you need to do an assessment of every individual that presents, but if your average woman walked in, children or fur babies, whatever the demands are in their life, and they are clearly fatigued, adrenal fatigue or burnout of some kind, what kind of suggestions do you start to make specifically? Like what sort of breakfast do you like them to see? What kind of supplements? I know this is tricky. And again, if someone said to me, I've got anxiety, what would you do? I would be like, well, I'd like to do an assessment on every individual that I see. But just speaking very generally, what what kind of recommendations would you give to a woman who might be listening at the moment who's thinking, you know what, I'm a bit adrenally fatigued. I know I am. Um what couple of things could I start to introduce to my day? Yeah, and I, I also must stress that it, you know, as much as I say you need to create me time and you need to find me time and you need to make space and blah, 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 it's not always practical for everyone. And if you're coming to me because you're adrenally fatigued, chances are it's because you're busy. <laughs> so we've got to work with what comes to my doorstep. And if if you are too busy and you don't know what to drop, that's okay. We can still work around that. Eventually we are going to have to make space because otherwise we're putting a Band-Aid on it. Um, but, you know, if you're coming to me and you're like, I've got three kids under five years old and my husband works in the mines and blah, 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 it's like, okay, well, we'll work with that. We just have to. So what we need to start doing then to prop you up until we can find time to reduce that stress um, is to feed you really nourishing foods, really, really nourishing foods. Um, So rather than have that bench full of supplements, and you might need a few supplements on that bench, and the more adrenally fatigued you are, the more pills you're going to have on that bench. But we need to work with food. Um, because that's that's where the real nourishment lies and, and that's where the real health lies. You know, food is medicine. It really is. And there is no substitute in a jar that you can buy or a bottle of pills that you can buy. Um, and so if you're time poor, then we have to work with that as well. So I often uh, prescribe smoothies for breakfast for women just because I know they can bang that together in two minutes flat. It's faster than making toast. I've proven it, right? I've put a slice of toast on and then I've made a smoothie before the toast pops, right? So I know that it can be done and you can set it up the day before so that you chop up your banana and you, you know, you put a handful of spinach and, you know, a handful of nuts and a little serve of protein powder, you know, into a little Ziploc bag and you put that in the fridge next to your almond milk. And then in the morning, you just empty the Ziploc bag and you empty the almond milk into your blender and you press go. Okay. Um, and same sort of thing, whether it's chia seeds or whatever it is that we're going to make your smoothie with. And that will, you know, that will vary depending on each person. Um, but you know, if you've got frozen berries or whatever, all in Ziploc bags, either in the fridge or the freezer in the morning, Ziploc bag into the blender, 
you know, minus plastic, and <laughs> almond milk into the blender, press go, 30 seconds later you will have breakfast. And then what I want you to do is find yourself a takeaway cup that fits in your cup holder in the car because not – you know those big smoothie, protein, shaky um, canisters, they don't always fit in your car cup holder. So I want you to find some sort of takeaway vessel that fits into your cup uh, cup holder in the car that will hold about 500 mils and you're going to tip your smoothie into that, pop a straw in it and drive. <laughs> That's the first step. If you're so busy that you can't manage to find space and time for breakfast because you're dropping the kids at school or something, at least put a smoothie in your cup holder in the car and drive. Um, and then from there we can, you know, work up to things like eggs. Um, I am very, very big on a paleo diet for women who are adrenally fatigued just because by the time you're adrenally fatigued, um, your blood sugar system is starting to play up. Um, what happens is the more adrenally fatigued you get, um, the more insulin, um, you know, issues you're going to have. And once you've got problems with your insulin responses in the body, then your blood sugar goes all askew. And that leads to, yeah, weight around the middle also tiredness mood swings um you know thyroids and and female reproductive hormones start to you know have a little party um <laughs> so or go out to lunch and leave you hanging um so really we need to go back and work with keeping the blood sugar stable so that the insulin doesn't have to come out and play in the first place because once the insulin comes out to play it just is a whole cascade of issues for the rest of your day and that's when the food cravings and the chocolate cravings and the coffee cravings and the red wine cravings happen to surface as well. So if we can get your blood sugar stable, then everything else will start to naturally become easier for you to pull into line. Um, and that involves, so if we're going to keep your blood sugar stable, that involves eating less carbohydrates and more protein and more fat with a meal. Um, so you might need to go grain-free, which is why I'm a fan of paleo because it is naturally grain-free way of eating. Um, and so, yeah, smoothies are great. Adding a bit of protein to your smoothies is great. Um, I would recommend some sort of dairy-free protein powder. That's fantastic. Um, and then if you've got time, if you actually manage to have a day off or something where you've got time, making a cooked breakfast with eggs, uh, like a big breakfast but no toast. So I do like eggs, nitrate-free bacon, um, spinach, sautéed spinach or kale. Um, I either chuck some mushrooms or tomatoes in a fry pan, fry it all up. You know, if you're not a master chef, that's cool. Do it one by one and each time you finish one thing, you put it in the oven. <laughs> and then so you do your mushrooms, put them in the oven, do your tomato, put that in the oven, um, do your bacon, put that in the oven, do your eggs and then serve it all up. Yeah, until you get used to juggling a couple of fry pans. But, you know, and if you don't have time for cooked breakfast, then back to smoothies and chia puddings you go. Yeah. That's a great start. So I was wondering if you could give us um, some information around your experiences. What have you learned about women and, and, and men through your work as a naturopath and seeing people respond to, say, the paleo diet and, and where do they go? So they start introducing smoothies, they start eating a paleo lifestyle or just whole foods and feeling better about and feeding themselves food as medicine. Maybe they even start to do a bit of stretching or yoga once a week or something, even if that's as far as they get. What do, you, what do they start to notice when they're eating healthier? What are the first things that someone who's adrenally fatigued will start to get excited about? What will they notice? If someone who's adrenally fatigued um, and they start eating a beautiful, balanced paleo diet that's balanced in terms of the carbohydrate to protein ratio, 
then, I mean, it's going to be different for everyone because going into it, they're going to have different symptoms to start with. But the, one of the most common ones I would see would be the mood swings. Um, that 11.30 in the morning um, and then the 3.30 in the afternoon, that 3.30-itis, um, those, you know, those those uh, points where you just hit that, that low and you bottom out, you'll either get tired or you'll get a bit grumpy. Um, and depending who's around you, you may take it out on those people or not. Um, so, and unfortunately, the 3.30-itis usually coincides with school pickup time, so you're kind of screwed then. <laughs> I know who you're taking it out on in the car. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's absolutely true about, and, and certainly in my experience as a psychologist, is understanding that when people start to take care of themselves, this evenness starts to occur in their mood. They just become much more even throughout their day, not just in mood, but in energy as well. Yeah. They seem to be able to um, idle through the day without requiring as much effort. And so they're not as depleted when they're getting to that 3.30 or getting to 7 o'clock or whatever it might be. Just when they feel they want to do something for themselves, they're like, no, I'm too tired, I'm going to bed, and, and they don't get to take that time out. What about you? You've had quite a ride by the sounds of it. So what have you learned about yourself through your experiences? I've learned when to stop and I've learned what the warning signs are to teach me when to stop. And I've learned to pull back before burnout. Um, I don't have kids. I do have fur babies, like you mentioned, and I do have a husband that, that likes to hang out with me a lot. And I like to hang out with him a lot, but I'm very, you know, I'm, I'm in terms of my adrenals, I'm fortunate in the fact that I haven't thrown kids into the mix and burned myself out good and proper. Um, but I've made up for, you know, that by always, you know, having jobs that seem to be quite demanding on my time. Um, and someone very kindly uh, described me recently as an A-type personality and I hadn't heard that before and then I was like, oh, actually, I think they're right. Um, so I've always, if I've got space and time in my life, I've always, always filled it with something like like what I was saying before, like I was, you know, working as a full-time naturopath and then I thought I'd throw in a sixth day at a drug rehab clinic just because you can. Uh, so I'm not very good at, I haven't been very good at stopping over the, the years, but I'm getting better at, at noticing the warning signs and the warning signs might just be blood sugar levels going askew or I put on one to two kilos um, or I am suffering from PMS um, more this month than last month and more that month than the month before. And it it's taken me a long time to heed those warning signs rather than just reach for another bottle of pills to put on the counter going, oh, well, I've got PMS here. There's a hormone balancing mix. I'll just take that. That. that looks good. I know what herbs are in that. That's good for me. Um, but instead of doing that, I've 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 learned. I've started to learn to pull back. And Byron is a perfect place to teach yourself that because you can stop and go for a surf, which I did this morning. <laughs> and you can stop and make a nice slow cooked dinner, you know, with food bought from the farmers market. And now I try and get to the farmers market one morning a week. You know, that's awesome. So. If there were three must-do-in-the-day rituals for you or three tips you had for women, what would be the three key things that you – like for me, I recommend people definitely check in with their water, definitely get in some movement, even though that's tricky for me too, um, and how useful that can be in terms of keeping our mood even. What would you what would you suggest a three key thing? Or three Like surfing is obviously one for you. Maybe you only need two tips. So after surfing, <laughs> after surfing, what's the two things you think people should include in their day? Well, not everyone can surf or has access to surf. So <laughs> whatever it is for you, um, the, surfing does two things for me. Uh, it 
is uh, it's a fitness thing for me. Like it keeps me fit and healthy unless I get hit in the head with my own board, which happens because I am an absolute beginner. Uh, but it keeps me nice and healthy and fit. But it also gets me outdoors into nature and connecting with nature. And one of the wonderful benefits I personally get from surfing is that feeling when I'm sitting out the back of the lineup, which is just out the back behind where you catch the wave. So you paddle all the way out and then you sit for a minute. And that, that, that point in time when I'm sitting there and bobbing up and down on my surfboard, like that's just the most amazing thing. And it makes me smile for the rest of the day. And then I'm sorted for a few, you know, I'm topped up for a few days and I'm good to go for a few more days. But you need to find the thing that does that for you. And that could be bushwalking or that could be yoga or some people get that from meditation. Um, but yeah, you, you might find that from, you know, anything really. It's, it's the thing that does it for you. Uh, but generally speaking, connecting with nature will help that a lot. So see if you can get out of your concrete jungle um, and see if you can find somewhere beautiful with some birds or some trees or some ocean or some sand or something where you can connect with nature because that's going to be very grounding for you. Um, And you can take the kids along and the husband along and the dogs along to that as well anyway. So, you know, you can multitask. That would be the first one. Um, Two more? Yeah, so two more that... The other one I would say that every day you need to eat something really, really nourishing for your body. If you get to like three o'clock in the afternoon and all you've eaten is white carby things for the day, that's okay. I don't judge, but go and find a green juice or a a smoothie or something. Go and and top up those nutrient levels with something that is very, very healthy. Um, Yeah, every day um, it would be wonderful if you could commit to something, you know, some sort of nutrient-rich powerhouse meal. So that, that is a, you know, and if you're adrenally fatigued, that's a must. You need to put more vitamins and minerals into your body than the average person because the average person isn't trying to run on burned out adrenals. So if you're running on burned out adrenals, you need more than the average person. So that's more green in your smoothie and more green in your juice and, you know, more veggies in your dinner. Yeah. Um, and the third thing would be to, to, you know, I, I was going to say move your body as well. Um, because, um, and that's, again, that's why I surf because it kills two of those birds with one stone. It gets me into nature and I'm moving my body. But like even a walk or some yoga or something, again, um, you need to get – and when you're adrenally fatigued, I must stress that you might be to the point where you're almost suffering or you might be suffering from chronic fatigue. And if that's the case, you need to be very, very gentle on this one. Um, but you still need to move your body and get that circulation going in some regard because if you sit – then you're going to get a lot worse. You you know you're going to start to stagnate, and once your circulation stagnates, it's very very hard to sort of get moving again. Um, so it is a bit of a move it or lose it approach. But yeah, if you are, I have I have got a program called Shiny Healthy You, and I do work with adrenally fatigued women and. You know, we do include some yoga and some exercise in that program, and I do get emails from from some lovely women saying, "Look, I, I can't even do the yoga. I'm really sorry." And I'm like, "That's okay. Just do one minute of yoga, or just do what you can, or just spend that time breathing instead." Um, but you know, each little inch forward is still going to help you. So just do what you can. That is just awesome. And I love that you've got a program because that was my next question was you're just amazing, loving. I'm really enjoying listening to you and the birds in the background, if you can hear them. Um, So how can people find you if people really love what they're hearing today and they think, you know, I've got to get some, some time with Jules, how can they find you and become part of that program? 
Okay, it's really easy to find me. You just go to julesgalloway.com and at julesgalloway.com you'll see little menus for different things. And so when I'm – because I run Shiny Healthy You twice a year and that's a 12-week program that's for women who are fatigued and we cover all kinds of things. There's recipes in there. Um, there's cooking uh there's cooking videos in there that I get to do to teach you how to cook easy meals that are, you know, nutrient rich, like we were discussing. Um, there's yoga in there. There's movement in there. There's meditation in there. There's life coaching. So there's a little bit of everything that you need in order to get a very holistic and well-rounded approach to, you know, beating this fatigue thing that so many of us are suffering from. Whoops. We had some technical issues. Mostly me not knowing how to fix one of the audio issues that occurred at the end of that interview. But Jules has lots of great information, so please head to her website, the three W's, JulesGalloway.com. J-U-L-E-S-G-A-L-L-O-W-A-Y.com. And I hope you found lots of information out of her interview today. And don't forget to support the show by telling your friends, or you can go to the Facebook page, Carrie Thompson Casey. That's Thompson without a P. Thank you so much for joining me. And for more information about events coming up, please visit CarrieThompsonCasey.com. Thank you for joining me and see you on the next episode of The Abnormal Psychologist, where we share real people's stories and give you real ideas so that you can realize your potential. Take care. This has been a production of TheWellnessCouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on Facebook.com forward slash TheWellnessCouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.